0: Super Cup. Fade Mark Andrews at your own risk. The Bengals, they're pretty good too. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Tuesday, December 28th. Frank Sample joined as always by Mike McClure and CN Ajad today on the podcast. We're going to recap week 16, take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. Who won our FFT DFS contest? What did that lineup look like? Who came close to winning of us three? We'll talk about that as well. Are you serious? The most ridiculously tilting moments from this past week, early week 17 pricing, uh, which features a 14 game main slate, no more Thursday night football, no Saturday games this week. So we've got a lot to talk about. A lot of players, a massive slate here in week 17. What is going on, gentlemen? Shout out to you guys for being all over the Ravens Bengals game, especially Mike. I mean, when we threw that to you, you said it was by far your favorite game on the on the slate. So that was a, a job well done by you, Mike. How was week 16?
1: Not bad. I wish I had more of that game, especially on DraftKings. I had most of it on FanDuel, but was happy to see it come through. Had some Johnson, had a little Mark Andrews on the other side, but unfortunately, all of the Jamar Chase did not get any T. Higgins somehow, and that was unfortunate. And but uh, overall, still a good week. Cash and cash games, cashed a couple tournaments, uh, you know, didn't lose any money. So, oh, actually, let's, it was a great week. I forgot. I won the showdown slate on uh the other day, Sunday. Oh yeah. Oh nice. I tied with like 7,000 of my right. closest friends, but you know, <laughs> good. You know, I don't even know what it was. 50x in the entry, so it worked out well, but definitely still frustrated from the uh the lack of T Higgins on the
0: main slate. Yeah. All right, look, profit is profit is good. We're not going to complain about profit, of course. See, what's going on with you? Uh we'll talk about the main slate a little bit more uh later on, but um just a preview, I guess. Well, no, before before we even get to that. How was your week 16? How how was it for you?
2: It was really good. I mean, it, you know, it's all it, it can always be better. A couple tweaks here and there and I I genuinely would have had a takedown. We'll see um one of my GPP lineups and it's it's mostly thanks to Mike honestly because while I did like that Cincinnati Ravens game, he was so emphatic about it on our Thursday show that I was like, "All right, let me let me make sure I have this in some of my GPP builds." So it ended up I, you know, I went from you know four digits to potentially five digits to still a pretty good return when it when it all got shaken out. So it was a great week sixteen, and I'm really looking forward to the next few weeks because I, I definitely think there's still a, a pile of money to be won, and uh, I feel like we're starting to narrow our focus on the right games.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've got two more uh, complete slates here, week seventeen, and of course week eighteen. Week eighteen is always. A little bit unique because there's teams that are out of it and, you know, maybe they're not playing their their star players or, you know, they're shutting people down at that point. So it's going to be interesting to talk about week 18, but we'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, but before we get to that, week 17, I mentioned it's a 14 game main slate. Uh, we'll talk about it much more later on. But Mike, how do you handle... Uh, a slate this big when we have this many games? Cause it feels like for a while now we've been dealing with like 10, 11 game slates. And all of a sudden we have 14 games that gives us more players, more games to possibly choose from. Uh, how does it change the process if at all for you?
1: Uh, I mean, the biggest thing it changes for me is I just start way later in the week, especially this year, because we have so many moving pieces with the COVID situations. Uh, but it's, Not a lot different for me because on a week like this, like especially you look at the spreads across the board, uh, I'm pretty confident there are seven games that I won't have interest in a single player in. They will not be in my player pool. Um, So for me, I actually kind of like that. If I can confidently cross out those games, I'm more than happy to let the rest of the field potentially select players from those games uh, if I'm confident that I don't want them. So I I actually like these kind of weeks. The only advice there is just, Be prepared to throw everything away and start over because there are so many games that any particular player getting ruled out Friday, Saturday, or even Sunday morning can definitely flip everything that you're doing very significantly when you have that many games
0: yeah especially this season too i mean everything that's going on with covid right now a record 106 players placed on the covid list on monday and of course more coming out on tuesday and i have a feeling by thursday's podcast we'll be talking about a few more players uh being added to the covid list as well so all right more games means uh more more games obviously to to cross off the list so I, i think that's um That's a good piece of advice, and we'll get to the Week 17 main slate a little bit later on, but let's start with our cash game lineup review. The cash line, right around 137, 138 points over on DraftKings, up from previous weeks, which makes sense with all the value available on this slate. At quarterback, Matthew Stafford was the highest-owned QB and was quite bad, uh, under 10 points over on DraftKings. Jalen Hurts, 30%. He was fine. Justin Herbert, 17% owned. Uh, He got there, but more on him a little bit later on. At running back, we knew there was a big four. Uh, Justin Jackson was 80% owned, which made sense. He was the cheapest of that group. 4,200 on DraftKings. James Robinson, 75% owned. Feel so bad for the guy. I mean, torn Achilles. He goes down early in that game. It Obviously, it wrecked a lot of DFS lineups, but I just... I feel so bad for the guy. Ronald Jones, 37% owned. Alexander Madison, 32% owned on the slate. Uh, at wide receiver, Cooper Cup, 87% owned. Fade him at your own risk. Makes sense with all the value on the slate. Antonio Brown, 84% owned. We were talking about him beforehand. Solver, 50% of the target share this past week from Tom Brady. Which made sense uh, considering all the injuries Tampa Bay was dealing with. Joshua Palmer was 38% rostered with Mike Williams and Jalen Guyton out. And then at tight end, we had Dallas Goddard and Rob Gronkowski, both around 25 26% owned. Both were letdowns. Cole Komet was fine at 17% owned. Chalk defenses were also quite bad this past week. Let's start with Sia's lineup here. And he put up 167.58. And you had the dreadful Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup connection here. You had. Alexander Madison, Justin Jackson, and James Robinson at running back. Antonio Brown, T. Higgins, and Cole Komet at, your, at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, and then you had the Bengals DST as well. See, Kudos to you, man. I did not, like, I played T. Higgins in GPPs. I, I didn't even consider him in cash. So you get him at just 6% ownership, goes off, has this massive game over 40%, uh, over 40 points over on DraftKings, and just career highs across the board. So how'd you get there?
2: Yeah, so to be honest with you, T. Higgins was sort of one of the last people I inserted in in my cash lineup. I mean, there were guys I definitely needed to have. Justin Jackson, Cooper Cup, those were definitely two of them. Komet was one of them, believe it or not, because I needed to jam in a tight end that was going to be cheap with the way I was going to build. Of course, Antonio Brown and James Robinson were also very necessary in the build. So when it all kind of shook out, once you add Alexander Madison, which I could have you know, put in Ronald Jones, for example, and and really maybe gotten off of T Higgins and paid up for like a Jamar Chase or somebody like that, or maybe like a Stefan Diggs, who also would have been low rostered, but, Uh, T. Higgins seemed like a pretty easy play considering how much money I had left over, especially when you consider, and we brought this up on the Thursday show, even the Tuesday show, but Mike was very specific about the Baltimore Ravens defense and just how injured and banged up they were and just the availability of players. It was so sparse that you kind of knew a couple Cincinnati Bengals were going to have a really good game. It was just a matter of choosing which ones. Uh, I certainly could have chosen Jamar Chase, but again, because of my financial limitations, I ended up with T. Higgins. So it wasn't me necessarily choosing T. Higgins over Jamar Chase. It was just that the, from a salary standpoint, that's where I needed to go. So I liked them both. I just ended up with T. Higgins.
0: Yeah, talk to me more about the the running back decision here, because we all knew that there was four running backs and you had to fade one of them. And you wind up fading Ronald Jones here. And that's the biggest difference between your lineup and mine is that uh, I faded Madison. I had Ronald Jones in that spot. And then I went up to Keenan Allen instead of T. Higgins. So that, that's basically uh, the 2v2 in, in our lineup right there. How did you come to the decision to, to fade Ronald Jones on the slate?
2: Yeah, so for me, in most of my lineups, cash and GPP, I was going to play Justin Jefferson or Alexander Madison. In my GPPs, I ended up playing a lot more Justin Jefferson, just because I knew Madison would be pretty popular. But in my cash games, I just kind of settled. on. I liked I liked Madison and Ronald Jones kind of the same, believe it or not. And given that, and given their price difference, you would think I just would have landed on Ronald Jones. But here, I just kind of went with what I thought was maybe the, the safer play, and I took Madison. So there wasn't any sort of particular rhyme or reason to that. It was just, there were four running backs. I wanted to play in cash. I could only play three.
0: All right, let's move on over to Mike's cash game lineup here where he puts up 151.72. And Mike, this has has your fingerprints all over it, man. Classic GPP cash lineup build, uh, if I've ever seen one. Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill in at the flex. You have the connection there. Alexander Madison and Justin Jackson at running back. Cooper Cup, Antonio Brown. Joshua Palmer at wide receiver. CJ Uzama at tight end. And the Falcons DST. Palmer was such a smart play. such a great play. I think, you know, whenever Mike Williams or Keenan Allen is out, we're going to be talking about Joshua Palmer. If you have this guy in dynasty leagues, you should feel very good about it. But w- how did you wind up on the chief stack over, you know, maybe getting another one of those chalk running backs in, whether it's a Ronald Jones or a James Robinson at the flex, and then maybe you spend up at tight end or something like that. How'd you get to this specific build?
1: Yeah. So it wasn't a decision that I made personally. It was straight from my projections. And what happened was, as Tyreek Hill got cleared, Travis Kelsey did not. And that raised the projection on both Mahomes and Tyreek Hill to the point where it ended up being a spot where they got in lineups here. Um, and that's really all that happened on that. Obviously, very frustrating game from Tyree Kill. Came out there, basically played hard for two series in the game. Basically sat, didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, For the Kansas City Chiefs, they didn't need him. It was pretty clear that they didn't need him. I don't think that they, you know, if the game were competitive, he certainly would have had a bigger role. He certainly would have been out there. Um, But I wasn't expecting quite the blowout that we got. I wasn't expecting such a small role from him. other than that, yeah, I mean, I, I love Palmer. I've played him pretty much every time that one of those guys has been out this year. And fortunately, ran pretty hot on it, getting that late TD. Um, you know, at his price point, without the TD, the score would have been okay. Like, it wouldn't have been just total total disaster. But definitely ran hot there. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, total, uh, it's exactly what I do every single week. Uh, I get the heavy target volume guys, which should have been Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, and Antonio Brown. Uh, play the favorite quarterback that I'm projecting to be under 10% owned and rinse and repeat. (laughs) So that's what we do every week here.
0: Yeah. Look, uh, Tyreek Hill. um, I I don't think we could have seen, you know, the chiefs destroying the the Steelers the way that they did. Uh, And and it seems like on paper, you know, it wasn't a bad play. I mean, look, he was 28 and a half percent owned. So other people were uh, thinking along those similar lines as you there, Mike, where are you at just in general on the chiefs at this point? Because, we talked about this for really the past month, maybe six weeks, where they're performing very well from an NFL perspective, mainly because their defense has been awesome. And, and there's been some games mixed in here where, you know, Mahomes has had some big games, uh, but not nearly as consistently as we've seen in the past. So, Mike, where are you at just in general on the Chiefs offense right now? Are you going to be looking at them again here in Week 17 against the Bengals with a 49-point total? It's probably going to be pretty popular.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, initial runs, I've got three to four chiefs in lineups. Uh, I fully expect them to absolutely carve up that Cincinnati defense. Personally, uh, it's just going to come down to, you know, what do we get? What kind of COVID news shakes out? Um, I will say on the Tyreek Hill thing, a lot like you guys playing Matthew Stafford, like, if you had told me the Chiefs put up 35, 36 points, Patrick Mahomes scores 23 DraftKings points, yeah. I would have felt pretty good about where Tyreek would have been. If I had told you that the Rams went on the road, put up 30 points, you probably would have felt pretty good, especially looking at Cooper Cup score. You probably would have felt pretty good about Matthew Stafford's score. Just uh, another thing that shows you the variance in this game that we play. Uh, we've seen it a lot with quarterbacks this year, though. Teams putting up 30 points, starting quarterbacks ending under 10 fantasy points.
0: Yeah, especially with the Rams Vikings that game combined for 53 points. So yeah. it ultimately wasn't that close. You know, the Vikings scored some points late in that game, but you know there there was points scored on both sides. So you would have thought uh, Matthew Stafford would have wind up with a good game there. Uh, let's wrap up our cash game discussion here with my cash lineup. And I squeaked by here 141.04. I had Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen. And then I had James Robinson, Justin Jackson, and Ronald Jones at running back and flex. I had Cooper Cup, Antonio Brown, Cole Komet, filling out the wide receiver and tight end spots. And then I had the Falcons DST. I wound up fading Alexander Madison, which was very scary, I have to admit. Like, at the time, all was happening, I was just like, I don't want to do this ever again. This is—it's very scary. Uh, I liked each running back a lot. I ultimately just went with the savings. I went with the cheapest guys here. Um, In hindsight, I think you know the correct move was maybe swapping off Keenan Allen and Cole Komet to go down to Josh Palmer and up to Mark Andrews. Again, it's easy to say it now when you see you know Palmer scores that late touchdown, but as well as he's played any time one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams is out, at that price tag, I think just in hindsight, it makes more sense to maybe spend down a, that wide receiver and play an elite tight end like Mark Andrews right now, just the way that he's performing. It's it's unreal. 115-plus yards and a touchdown in three straight games, eight-plus targets in eight straight games for Mark Andrews. The guy is just absolutely on fire right now. So, Sia, what do you think about maybe that decision in hindsight, spending down for Josh Palmer, moving up to a Mark Andrews, uh, basically a 2v2 swap of Keenan Allen and Kokomet?
2: No, I like how you did it. I mean, right. I I think you could I think it, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think we all expected, especially if Houston was going to put up points, Keenan Allen to have a great game. And Josh Palmer, would have been a good play if you needed the money, but you didn't really. You got the chalky running backs, you got the volume-ridden receivers. It just happened to not work out for Keenan Allen. Obviously, it worked out for you because this this line cashed. But I don't have a problem with you paying down for Kemet as and and paying up for Keenan Allen. Obviously, everybody wants Andrews, but uh, again, you know, there there is some, you know, when you have a, another new quarterback for Andrews, you know, there is some potential issue there with Josh Johnson being in there. So I don't think it was a must play in cash. Let's put it that way.
0: All right. Mark Andrews priced all the way up to 7,400 now over on DraftKings and, and rightfully so. I mean, just how great he's been playing. We'll see if Lamar Jackson can make it back here for the uh, Baltimore Ravens in week 17 and uh, normally we we save the "Are you serious?" segment for for later on in the show, but you know while we're talking about this lineup that I had, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Justin Jackson, I had three Chargers in my lineup here, and uh, that that's going to lead me into "Are you serious?" for for Week 16. <laughs> Are you serious? All right. So the Chargers enter Week 16 as a double-digit favorite against the three and eleven Houston Texans. They proceeded to give up 41 points, two interceptions by Justin Herbert, including a pick six in this game against the Houston Texans defense. And I understand no Joey Bosa for the Chargers. They were dealing with uh, COVID situation and injuries to their defense. Everyone's dealing with that right now. Uh, but want to give credit to the Houston Texans, Davis Mills, Rex Burkhead. Those guys played amazing in this spot, but just what an absolute choke job by the Chargers. You know, Frankly, we were lucky to get what we did out of Justin Herbert in this game. You know, like he throws that pick six. I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I'm out of the money everywhere. He turns out like, OK, he throws a touchdown late there, but just an absolute choke jog by, by the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So that is my Are You Serious moment of the week. See ya. Well, what what grinded your gears this past week? What was a tilting moment for you?
2: Yeah, nice Peter Griffin reference with grinding your gears, by the way, <laughs> uh, for you young ones at home. Uh, you know, it's got to be Matthew Stafford. Uh, you know, usually I go sort of off the rails with, with my pick here, but I don't know how you go into Minnesota with, with the way, you know, M- Minnesota doesn't have like a lot of their significant pass rushing talent. They're out. Danielle Hunter, um, Griffin out. The secondary is just really just kind of a mess, like a lot of secondaries are. I don't know how you go into that game. Under good conditions, and you throw one touchdown and three interceptions, I, it, and and your 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 completion percentage is not even close to sixty percent. It's just one of those. It's just one of those weird things where, you know, a lot and it's probably going to be popular, right? Because everybody was on Matthew Stafford, cup, and ended up making it there, but Stafford certainly didn't. And I just don't. I don't get it. I, I don't know if that's just a lack of preparation or what, because there's just no reason for him to have played that poorly, in my opinion.
0: And some of those interceptions were bad seal, like really well, bad throws too.
2: What's really interesting about Stafford. I, I think he believes in his arm like a little bit too much. And I noticed it even a couple of weeks ago when he made what, what people called amazing throws with no window. And I remember looking at those throws when I was looking at tape, just kind of going back and being like, yeah, that's amazing. But the percentage chance that that throw was going to make it through that window was so low. It's just not a throw you should make. And I think Stafford is getting a little too, I don't know, brazen or cocky I don't know what word you want to use but he doesn't need to make some of these throws and he's just making them anyway and I that's I think part of the problem
0: yeah especially when you have receivers like Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham who are such good route runners they create separation they can get open you don't really need to force the issue when you have receivers like that and now I know that they're dealing with an injury to Daryl Henderson but Sonny Michelle is running really well and they're about to get back Cam Akers which is just completely mind-boggling so we'll see if he plays, how much he actually plays, what he can contribute, but uh, it seems like the Rams are set up pretty well. They don't really need to rely on Matthew Stafford uh, to do as much as he's done the past couple of weeks. Mike, how about you? Are you serious? What was a tilting moment for you here in Week 16?
1: Uh, probably the Tyreek situation, just how little he was involved. I, I really thought he'd be out there on the field more, um, so I, I'll give it an are you serious there. I, I I thought I was going to have a really, really, really strong day. I was banking on 20 fantasy points from him going into the afternoon. Didn't get there. And then I guess the other one would be the Bengals uh, not having enough T. Higgins or any T. Higgins after loving the game so much. Uh, All in on Jamar Chase, which really hurt.
0: Yeah, it's such an interesting feeling, too, when you recommend something. And you just don't do it yourself because we've all done it a million times, right? Yeah. Rather, whether it's on this show, you know, I host the baseball podcast as well. And there, there'll be players that I tell people, draft this guy, I love this player. And then I just don't even take my own advice. And it's like, all right, I'm happy I'm helping other people win, but I want to win too. So why don't I just take my own advice? So uh, I think it's just like this really interesting dynamic where maybe we just need to listen to ourselves uh, a little bit mm-hmm. more here. And let's move on to our GPP lineups and what do you need to win big? You know what you needed. You needed the Bengals. Joe Burrow, 500 yards, four touchdowns. And I didn't realize this until I was watching Sunday Night Football, and they usually play this montage with uh, a bunch of different post-game interview clips from different players. And I I didn't realize beforehand that the defensive coordinator for the Ravens basically called out Joe Burrow and said something like... You know, don't put him in the Hall of Fame yet. Let's, you know, see what this kid could actually do. Well, uh, I I think you probably lit a fire where you you shouldn't have, uh, Ravens. So, Joe Burrow, uh, I think he was listening. 500 yards, four touchdowns. Joe Mixon, 135 total yards, two touchdowns. We actually mentioned him on Thursday's podcast as a contrarian running back as well. T. Higgins, 12 receptions, 194 yards, two touchdowns. Mark Andrews was amazing. Also, want to show some love to Damian Harris, who had three touchdowns for the Patriots. Rex Burke had a monster game. He was very cheap. Amon Rasane Brown. No Jared Goff. No problem. This guy. He's a good player, man. He's like a legit good player. So we could talk more about him, regardless of who the quarterback is. Although I think I saw that Jared Goff is back for the Lions. So that's actually a good thing for him. And then David Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery's target share, his usage in the red zone the past month uh, has, has been amazing. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk about him as a potential option this upcoming week as well. Tia, so, yeah, let's start with this monster lineup that you put up, 232.9. I look back at all of the screenshots that we have from this entire season. I have a folder with all of them on my computer. This is the most points of any lineup that we have displayed on a podcast this entire season. What can we say about seeing He's He's just the best. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. (laughs) I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. All right, so what happened here in this lineup? Joe Burrow, double stack with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Mark Andrews on the bring back. You dodged James Robinson. You went with Justin Jackson, Ronald Jones, and Alexander Madison, of course, you had Antonio Brown in your other wide receiver spot, the Falcons DST. You finished ninth in this contest, but let's do a little bit of surgery here and try and figure out how do you get to the top, Sia? What what can you do differently to, to take this down? Uh, is it swapping off of Madison? Is it playing a wide receiver in that spot who maybe has a little bit more upside? Uh, what do you think? How do you get to the top of this contest here?
2: Well, the answer was pretty easy because I was tracking it. I was in yeah. first place for quite a while during the one o'clock slate for um, the winner got, I think, 6,000. And then I dropped to 3,000. And then I dropped to, you know, around ninth place where I, where I sat ultimately. And it was because of two things. One in particular, Damian Harris. The, the winner had Damian Harris and the winner had, I believe, the Eagles defense. So I'm not really going to whine about the defense much. I mean, obviously, I could have played a less chalky defense, um, Eagles Eagles certainly made sense, or um, a lot of a lot of defenses made sense, but it was the Damian Harris play. So what happened was, this guy got off one of the chalk running backs, and he inserted Damian Harris, who, who frankly, I hadn't really considered because I wasn't hundred percent sure what his injury status was until Saturday night, Sunday morning, and so it was just one of those things. I knew Ramondre Stevenson was out, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure Harris was fully healthy. So he ended up being such a smash play against the Bills, and that that was really it. aside from that, I mean, obviously I could have played Tyler Boyd instead of Jamar Chase, but like, that's, that's the type of hindsight that like really doesn't make any sense. I mean, let's, let's be honest about Boyd. He only got four targets. He caught all of them and two of them happened to be touchdowns. So it's not like Boyd was all of a sudden getting more targets than Jamar Chase. He just happened to be the beneficiary of a really terrible secondary that receivers were just running right through. So the, the, the answer to your question is come off one, if you're going to play three chalky running backs, you know, it's fine in cash. It might be fine in GPP too, but if you really want to make yourself different and you know there's three or four really chalky running backs, maybe play two of them, but like definitely come off at least one of them with somebody like a Damian Harris, for example, that's going to be a lot less popular.
0: Was this a single entry build to you? It was a three max. Three max. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was just thinking about it. If you're playing GPPs, me personally, you know, when we have this much chalk running back, like this value available, I I would probably just play two of them and try and get different yeah. somewhere else. And you know, maybe it's you know trying to get different with your stack, but ultimately, like Burrow ten percent, T Higgins nine percent, Mark Andrews seven percent. I mean, that's all really good. That that works out there. So I I think it's exactly what you said. Maybe you drop off Madison to a Damian Harris that frees up. You know a thousand dollars right there, and then you just spend up for some kind of defense that manages to go off. But it's honestly, it's really hard to know beforehand. You know which defense is actually going to go off there. Um,
2: one thing, one thing to point out though, because this really is like twenty twenty hindsight. The the reality is, regardless of let, let's just say, Damon Harris instead of getting three touchdowns, he got two, just for the sake of argument, because I think that's a more realistic scenario than him actually getting three touchdowns against the Bills. If Jamar Chase gets some of that Tyler Boyd, you know, touchdown work then I just vault right up to first place if Damian Harris doesn't completely go off. So my point in saying that is, you're right, my stack was relatively contrarian relative to the Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup stacks, things of that nature. So th- this stack with with Andrews only commanding 7% ownership, it absolutely could have got there with three super chalky running backs. The problem was, for whatever reason, Jamar Chase didn't enjoy some of that touchdown equity that he we thought was built into a game script like this I mean that's really what it came down to if Jamar Chase catches one of those long boy touchdowns uh, this might be a first place lineup
0: Mike what do you think about this lineup and what would you potentially do differently to to try and get all the way up to that top spot yeah,
1: no, the lineup is beautiful. Uh, the, the only thing I would do uh, in tournaments, and I think we've talked about it a few times now, if you're going to play multiple chalk running backs, I think my favorite way to just get a little different is handcuff them with one of the defenses. Uh, obviously, the best one in this case would have been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, probably would have forced you different on Madison or someone else in the lineup based on salary. But that's typically what I would recommend. If you're in a tournament getting into situations like that, I think that defense is where you want to differentiate yourself and not get off of those good chalk plays that you really like um, or the stack that you like, frankly. well, All you basically have is the stack that you love with the chalk players mixed in, which is what I do every week, what I recommend everyone should do every week, frankly. Um, So, yeah, beautiful, beautiful lineup. I really think you should have taken it down. And I think out of all of the things that happened, the Damian Harris game was the most unlikely to happen.
0: Right. All right. Uh, Mike, let's move on to your GPP lineup here. 160.76 in a fun, unique lineup. Josh Johnson to Mark Andrews. You have Jamar Chase on the bring back. You have Justin Jackson and Ronald Jones at running back. You have Tyreek Hill and Antonio Brown at your other wide receiver spots. You have Rob Gronkowski at tight end. So you have Gronk and Mark Andrews in the same lineup. We haven't talked about this before. I feel like we've talked about dual tight ends. We've talked about you know maybe spend down for one tight end, and then using that wide receiver-esque tight end like a Mark Andrews or a Kelsey in your flex spot. We haven't really talked about potentially spending up for two different tight ends uh, and treating them both as wide receivers. So I really like this construction. We talked a lot about Tyree Kill. He just wasn't healthy enough. Gronk didn't come through, but... I thought it was really unique paying up for for two different tight ends here.
1: Yeah, no, I liked it a lot. Uh, it's obviously because of Johnson at quarterback that I was able to do that. Um, I basically said Mark Andrews is not a tight end for me right now. He's a wide receiver, so I was able to throw him in, but it's really the combination of, you know, I had Justin Jackson in every single lineup, had Ronald Jones in all, but one, uh, was playing those guys no matter what. And then you throw in the $4,000 quarterback, you've got money to spend elsewhere. Uh, I had Antonio Brown in every single lineup. I had Tyree kill in every single lineup. Um, Because I had Johnson, I needed Chase on the bring back for Mark Andrews. So that's just kind of the way everything fell there. Seahawks defense, uh, pretty simple here. I'm kind of stunned they gave up so many points at 25. Um, Really liked him here. It was snowing, a lot of terrible conditions to play football, new quarterback Nick Foles getting injected into the system in a road game in one of the environments that still creates a home field advantage in the league. I was very pleased when lineups locked to see the ownership percentage on that one at the same time of having Tyreek Hill about to start, but didn't obviously come through for me. Was able to cash, of course, but not what I was hoping for when lineups were locking for the second set of games.
0: I don't know when I miss this. By the way, you're talking about Seattle and, and one of the biggest just home field advantages in football. When yeah. when did they change their name to Lumen Field? <laughs> They're talking about snow and Lumen Field. I'm like, where is that? What is what is a Lumen Field? So I don't know. It's something I used to be pretty good at, like keeping track of the names of stuff. But I don't know. It feels like things are just changing so often now. And now Staple Center is like Crypto.com Arena. It's I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to keep up with all these like name changes. But uh, yeah, it was. Just a completely random thought that I had. Uh, The last thing that we'll look at here is my GBP lineup, a single entry that I made, and it put up 168.58 here. Uh, Stafford to Cooper Cup with Justin Jefferson on the bring back. I faded Alexander Madison in this lineup. I had Justin Jackson and Ronald Jones at running back, and where I got different was I had a mini stack in that Bills-Patriots game that included Damian Harris and Emmanuel Sanders, uh, which I really liked. Uh, Jared Cook at tight end, and I had, I paid up for the Eagles DST, which put up 16 points. So uh, I specifically wanted to show this lineup because I was really happy with uh, the Harris pivot off of James Robinson. The fact that it came through, you know, I didn't project that he was going to score three touchdowns. And obviously, he ran super hot there. What was so frustrating was that. Everything set up so well for Emmanuel Sanders in this spot. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen threw for 314 yards, three touchdowns. Sanders was on the field for 82% of the snaps. He led the team in routes run. No Cole Beasley, no Gabriel Davis in this spot. Turns out to be Isaiah McKenzie who goes off for eleven catches, over a hundred yards, a touchdown. So uh, I wanted to show off this lineup because I thought it was interesting. I still really like the build. It was similar to your previous lineup, Mike. It was, you know, it was a min cash, but uh, overall, I, I was pretty ha- uh, happy with the construction and how things turned out here. So, see you. What do you think? Honestly, if we just combined our lineups here, if I <laughs> I gave you a little bit of mine, you gave me a little bit of yours, then uh, then we potentially have a takedown here. But what do you think of this lineup?
2: Yeah, I'll change uh, Alexander Madison for Damian Harris. That works. Um, I think this is a great lineup. I, I also thought Emmanuel Sanders was a pretty good play last week. So, uh, pretty surprised. I mean, it makes sense that as Isaiah McKenzie was worked in as well, but twelve targets compared to Stephon Diggs's thirteen, and Emmanuel Sanders only had three. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Now, Emmanuel Sanders did kind of drop a touchdown pass that was you know behind him. Maybe if he catches that, he gets worked in even a little bit more, and of course he gets points from that as well. So. The upside was there. I mean, obviously, we think it's Isaiah McKenzie's season now, as opposed to Emmanuel Sanders. But I, I like that play. I certainly like the Damian Harris play. Jared Cook made sense given who was out. I love this lineup.
0: Mike, what do you think here? Is there anything that you would do differently? Obviously, the Stafford to Cup stack is very chalky. There, get Justin Jefferson on the bring back, and I needed the Bengals. You know, so in hindsight, you, you talk about that. But uh, anything else here that, that you might do differently?
1: No, not really. Um, The only one player I didn't really care for was Jared Cook, but I totally get it. They were shorthanded, and I I went the route of Palmer, uh, which ultimately saved me because I liked Emmanuel Sanders, but I couldn't quite get to Emmanuel Sanders because Palmer was cheaper. And because I have Palmer, I obviously wasn't on Jared Cook. But the only thing that I would have like ahead of time said, hey, I I don't like Jared Cook, but that's basically it. Uh, Everyone else definitely has the upside and we we talked about the Stafford situation, just a game where he likely has 50% of the points that he should.
0: Yep. All right. Well, uh, I wanted to show that one and uh, remind everyone there's only a few weeks left here with the main slates. Uh, We have our FFT DFS contest, which you can join as always here in week 17. The, Link will be in the podcast and the YouTube description. Of course, it is $5 to join. There are 150 entries, and the top 15 gets paid out. So again, if you want to play against Cia, Mike, and myself, you can find it uh, in the podcast and YouTube description. And I want to give a shout-out to the winner of this contest this past week, B. Bucky, who scored 216 points. He wins $135, takes down the contest. Joe Burrow to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. He has the double stack. Mark Andrews on the bring back. Alexander Madison and Rojo at running back. Amonra St. Brown. Again, the guy is absolutely balling right now. 26 points on DraftKings at 7% ownership in our contest. Laquan Treadwell in the flex. Another solid floor of 9.4, which is actually scary because if this guy played, uh, or girl, played Josh Palmer, could have scored even more points, but uh, Laquan Treadwell is fine, and, and he continues to be fine and wraps up the lineup here with the Broncos DST. See, I really like this lineup, and I like the fact that this person went with Amonra St. Brown. It's risky, obviously, you know, knowing the quarterback situation, but uh, that's partially the reason why this lineup won.
2: I love it. He had the same double stack I did, which, which I, I like double stacking anyway, especially in a game where I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. And I would have, I obviously picked you know Chase and Higgins as well. So obviously, he played you know a couple of the chalk running backs, uh, Mark Andrews. Treadwell is fine. I mean, I think week to week he is really the most consistent option, seeing targets. We've seen Marvin Jones kind of emerge, especially last game with with a ton of targets. So kind of look out for that. But I like the. I didn't have the guts to play Amon Ross, Saint Brown, because I thought I was kind of chasing. Now we maybe have maybe maybe we've come to the conclusion that. He's just kind of here to stay, and he's just going to get a ton of volume. I'll tell you this, though. The one mistake I really made, if you wanted a piece of that Kansas City game, but you didn't want to pay up for Tyreek Hill, obviously you couldn't play Travis Kelsey. Byron Pringle was kind of like an easy, low-cost play, and I'm a Pringle guy. You guys know how I feel about McCole Hardman and, and his receiver skills or lack thereof. Like Pringle made so much sense in terms of just getting a piece of that game, knowing that Kelsey wasn't going to be there, uh, and maybe other targets who are going to be leaned on. Uh, if you know, I think Pringle scored twenty-five fantasy points. So if you put Pringle in that lineup instead of Treadwell, that's the point I'm making. Or frankly, Pringle in any of our lineups um, that would have made a lot of sense and it would have opened up a, a lot more cash. But I love the lineup. Great job, Bucky.
0: Yeah, and you know what's so interesting about that that Byron Pringle call? I had him in a lot of, a lot of lineups, and then once Mike Williams tested positive, I I, I pivoted everything from Byron Pringle to. Uh, Josh Palmer, which Palmer was still fine, but Byron Pringle goes out and he scores two touchdowns. And and what's interesting uh, on another level is that every week I write this article for CBSSports.com basically talking about the main things that I'm looking at when constructing DFS lineups. And I gave out a lineup uh, on the bottom. And it was Joe Burrow, Ronald Jones, Justin Jackson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Antonio Brown, Mark Andrews, Byron Pringle, Chargers DST. So, it was a good lineup. It didn't have T Higgins, but uh, man, if you was li- a
2: great lineup,
0: if you listen to that, then uh, then yeah, yeah, you, you probably made some money. So uh, if you had the conviction to stick with Byron Pringle, obviously it worked out there. Uh, I do have an update on the Don, uh, his sneaky picks last week. I think they were Treadwell and Tyler Johnson. Treadwell was fine. Tyler Johnson zero donut. I don't even know if he was on the field. Honestly, where was he? Where was the guy? I he did not catch a single thing. He didn't cash in this contest this past week. I did. I finished third overall. Finally cast. Very excited about that happening. Even with the Chargers DST in my lineup, they gave me negative three points. I don't want to talk about the Chargers anymore. Uh, but he eliminated me. The Don did. From, from our season-long home, home league playoffs. So shout out to him. He goes on to the championship. And I'm left playing for third place. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, early Week 17 pricing here on Fantasy Football Today DFS.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: All right, so let's jump into Week 17. We have a 14 game main slate with no Thursday night football, no Saturday games either. Uh, we do have one game with a total over 50 points as of now. That is the Cardinals at the Cowboys, which sits at 51 and a half points according to Caesar Sportsbook. The Chiefs and Bengals just under that at 49 points. We have four double digit spreads as of now. The Bills. Minus 14.5 against the Falcons. The Pats laying 15 and a half hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bucks are 13 point favorites at the Jets. And the 49ers are 12 and a half point favorites uh, at home against the Houston Texans. And that is without Jimmy Garoppolo, which we will talk about in just a second. COVID situations. I mentioned a record 106 NFL players placed on the COVID list on Monday. More players being added to that list on Tuesday. The biggest names as of now include Carson Wentz, who is unvaccinated, which likely means he's going to be out here in week 17. Mike Evans, also dealing with a hamstring injury. He was placed on the COVID list. Josh Reynolds and Julio Jones were uh, also placed there as well. Uh, and it sounds like we're, we're going to have some more names to talk about on Thursday's pod. Unfortunately, the actual injuries that we need to address... Jimmy G has a thumb injury. Trey Lance is set to start. He is $4,800 on DraftKings and will be very popular, specifically in cash games. James Robinson tore his Achilles. Uh, Dari uh, Agumba Wale is the next man up there. Clyde Edwards Ehlers has a collarbone injury and is week to week. Jordan Howard. That is not correct. Miles Sanders broke his hand uh, and will not play in Week 17. Jordan Howard is dealing with a, a neck injury, a stinger, so we'll see if he can get on the field. Gerald Henderson sent to the IR. Uh, it is the Sony Michelle show. It has been, and it will continue to be so, though Cam Akers, again, he has a chance to play in Week 17. He tore his Achilles in July. This is unprecedented territory. I mean, we're talking about five months this man is attempting to return from a torn Achilles. I don't think it's very smart, but... They have medical professionals. They have doctors who are telling them what he can or can't do. Uh, And I'm sure he's telling them as well. So uh, we'll see what happens, if Cam Akers can actually play or not. Let's start at the quarterback position. Josh Allen is 8K on DraftKings. He's 8,800 over on FanDuel. He's the highest-priced quarterback on both sites, going up against the Atlanta Falcons. There are five other quarterbacks at 7K or higher on DraftKings. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, and Lamar Jackson. Mike, how do you feel about these higher price options? How do you feel about Trey Lance as well, down at 4800
1: Trey Lance is uh, definitely going to show up in optimizers uh, as the quarterback this week. Uh, At the top, I I think Josh Allen is super interesting just because of what he does in that offense. I don't think many people are going to end up playing him at that price point with the other options. Uh, Like Patrick Mahomes, again, uh, in this spot, I think it'll most likely be... Lance Mahomes. And then for me, the third quarterback I'll be using will be Sam Ellinger. If he is indeed the starter for the Indianapolis Colts, Uh, he has the ability to run the football just a little bit, um, a little bit like Taysom Hill, not saying he's Taysom Hill by any means. But in this matchup, uh, I do like him a little bit at 4,500.
0: All right. Uh, two others that we haven't mentioned yet. Joe Burrow, of course, coming off that massive game. He is 6,900 in that game going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. And Dak Prescott is 6,700. Those two quarterbacks are involved in the biggest totals here on the slate. See, so, yeah, what do you think about Burrow? What do you think about Dak? Any other higher price quarterbacks? Uh, if you have a, a thought on Trey Lance, um, who are your favorites uh, at the quarterback position?
2: Yeah, I'll start with Trey Lance. He's definitely going to be a, a cash game option for me. I, I, unless the news changes at 4,800, it's really hard to pass that up against the Texans defense. And it's not, I'm not necessarily fully disparaging the Texans defense, but I think there's just so much that he's going to be able to do with the with the running game but also with his receivers obviously Debo uh Ayuk and George Kittle so I like him quite a bit at the bottom I I like Josh Allen he's starting to grow on me even though this game at home against Atlanta is not really going to be much of a back and forth I think a Josh Allen naked play or Josh Allen with Isaiah McKenzie who was super low priced at 4300 still makes a ton of sense because yeah you're paying up for Josh Allen but you're definitely saving with Isaiah McKenzie obviously I'm I'm you know, we'll have to narrow this field a little bit for Thursday's game by game breakdown. But Mahomes and and Joe Burrow, it's going to be hard to pass that up. The the back and forth that we're likely to see in that one. Other than that, I, I'll probably take a shot at Dak. I, I was really impressed with what he did against Washington last week. My fear for him is that they tend to not throw the ball. They certainly did last week, but the three or four games prior to that, they really weren't throwing that much. His pass attempts are way down relative to what I think the expectation was. So, uh, you know, Dak, I, I kind of like, but I'm not going all in on for, by any means. And other than that, I do want to see how the, the the Lamar Jackson, Huntley, um, Josh Johnson situation pans out. I, you know, I'll keep an eye on which quarterback is playing there because you might get some relief off the Trey Lance chalk if, if one of those backups is playing.
0: Yeah, definitely going to be interested in Trey Lance as well. Uh, I think I'm leaning Josh Allen as of now when it comes to the higher price quarterbacks. The Bills are tied for the highest implied team total so far for a week 16 with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So Josh Allen, I like Stafford. I like um, Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to like as well quite a bit. Let's move on to the running back situation, uh, running back position this upcoming week. Jonathan Taylor is 9K on DraftKings. He is 10K over on FanDuel, and he is the highest price running back on both sites. Put this guy in a bubble. Whatever you need to do because obviously there's a COVID situation going on with the Indianapolis Colts and we cannot lose Jonathan Taylor for DFS. We definitely cannot lose him for fantasy football championships in season long league. So please Colts do whatever you need to do to uh, keep Jonathan Taylor out of the COVID protocols this upcoming week. Only one other running back over 8K over on DraftKings, and that includes Austin Eckler. He is 8,200 versus the Denver Broncos. Mike, how do you feel about Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, the higher-priced running backs, just the running back position in general here?
1: Yeah, for me, it's the same blueprint as basically every week of the season. There's no chance I'm paying up for running back uh, on this slate. There's going to be enough value on the slate. So you want to play Jonathan Taylor, I think it's Fine in in tournaments, but certainly not going to be part of your core cash game strategy this week, uh, in in my opinion. So no real interest there at the top yet. Um, My favorite by far is going to be Daryl Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Just expect him to be heavily involved in the passing game, going to take the load of the carries. I don't expect Clyde Edwards-Elair to play in this game. Um, He might. He's listed week to week. I don't think they want to mess around with losing him for the rest of the season, potentially. I think that they let him rest in this one. I think they got a pretty good look at Mr. Gore in the second half of that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've also had a big enough sample size of seeing him so far this year where he has been capable. Uh, I do think that Clyde edwards is either severely limited or is inactive for this game. So Daryl Williams, I fully expect double-digit carries, probably five targets in the passing game.
0: Yeah, he is uh, 5,800 at the Cincinnati Bengals, and in the five games earlier this season that he started without Clyde Edwards-Elair, he averaged 18.6 touches per game. Ton of targets, ton of receptions, so I definitely think he's in play at that price point. And uh, three other early standouts in terms of value right now. David Montgomery, 6,500 going up against the New York Jets. He's priced up a little bit here, but... The target share, 22% target share since week 13. That is second most among running backs in the NFL. 25 red zone opportunities since week 12. That's the most in the NFL. That's more than Jonathan Taylor. So the role for David Montgomery right now is elite. Lots of targets, lots of red zone opportunities. Ronald Jones, if Leonard Fournette is out again this week. Rashad Penny, all of a sudden playing really well. 6,100 going up against the Detroit Lions. 135 or more rushing yards in two of his last three games. And then Sony Michel. Uh, 5,800, he's at the Ravens, 20-plus touches in four straight games. Sia, do you have a favorite of these maybe value standouts, or are you looking to maybe spend up at the running back position?
2: You know, I got to see how things shake out in Indianapolis, particularly with the offensive line, if I'm going to even consider Jonathan Taylor. But I totally agree with Mike. You know, sometimes I do pay up for running backs, uh, unlike Mike. But this, this week, I mean... The running back that really jumped out at me was David Montgomery because, and it was because he was priced up a little bit. Because I think that $6,500 price tag is going to intimidate some people just because Montgomery is just not a sexy pick. The Bears, there's really nobody on the Bears that's really a sexy pick outside of maybe Darnell Mooney. So I think, I mean, listen, you mentioned the percentage. So let's just like break it down. Like the last four games, his targets nine, six, seven, and nine. I mean, those are the types of targets that you see with wide receiver ones or, or certainly wide receiver two. So it, the target share is there and he's getting 17 to 20 carries per game in, in that same time span. So you're going to get up, up against a bad New York Giants run defense. He makes a ton of sense. Uh, I agree with you on, on Rashad Penny. We know Seattle likes to run the ball. He does seem to be the bell cow guy. And he's he kind of he's he's flashing some talent that. It was the talent that was the reason Seattle drafted him at the end of the first round a few years back, obviously. Sony Michelle I love, like you said. Uh, ran routes on 76% of Stafford dropbacks in Week 16. And obviously with Henderson likely out, I don't think Cam Akers is going to play, by the way. But if he does, I don't see him touching the ball more than five or six times. Agree that Darrell Williams is the guy. It's, I don't think CEH is going to play either, so I like him at 5,800. I'll mention two other guys, or three other guys. Singletary at 5,400. If you wanted to just own all the points in that Buffalo game, you could play Josh Allen and Devin Singletary and know that you're getting probably most of that implied total of 30. So that's just something to point out. He does seem like the guy, and he's also getting targets as well. Dari Ogumbawale, sorry, I almost butchered that, at 5,100. At New England, it's not necessarily the best matchup, but ran 35 routes last week. Uh, He's going to catch some balls too. And the last guy I'll mention is Boston Scott. I do respect that Washington run defense still. But if Jordan Howard is out, which I expect to be, and of course, Miles Sanders is out, um, I don't really know who they go to. It's Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell. And they're certainly, especially in the red zone, going to be relying on Boston Scott a lot more.
0: Yeah, Daria Gumbawale was one I wanted to mention as well. 5,100 at the Patriots. Obviously, it's a tough matchup. They're huge underdogs. But he had 19 touches last week, including a rushing touchdown. He can catch the ball a little bit. So we'll see uh, what happens throughout the rest of the week and if any other. Uh, value shakes out here at the running back position. Let's move over to wide receiver. No surprise, Cooper Cup is now ninety five hundred dollars over on DraftKings. He is ten thousand two hundred on FanDuel. He is the highest priced player. Overall on both sites, two other wide receivers over 8K. That includes Tebo Samuel at 8,700 going up against the Texans and Tyreek Hill at 8,300 at the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike, I assume you're going to be spending up for wide receivers this week. The question is, which ones?
1: Uh, all the target monsters will be a repeat of last week for me mostly. Uh, I can tell you Antonio Brown will be in 100% of lineups. Uh, he's way too cheap. He's at least $2,000 too cheap in the current role. So he will be in there. Uh, Cooper Cup, I will try my best to get him in. But right now, Tyreek Hill, love, love, love Tyreek Hill in this spot. Um, Those will be my core guys. I got lineups right now where I'm sitting here with Tyreek, Antonio Brown, Cooper Cup as the three main wide receivers of the lineup, all paid down for Byron Pringle. And then the other wide receiver, obviously Jamar Chase, Higgins, Boyd, I think they're all in play in that game. But the one that I want to talk about a little bit is A.J. Brown. Um, This Dolphins defense likes to play man coverage. I think that A.J. Brown has the ability to get loose against that secondary. So I think A.J. Brown, no one's going to play him really at 7,200 just because he's in between chase and, and just where the price tag is, the low total on the game. Uh, I think this is a sneaky good spot for A.J. Brown in tournaments.
0: I absolutely love it. 16 targets last week, 11 receptions, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Mentioned Julio Jones. I believe Nick Westbrook Aquino was also placed on the COVID list, so Mm -hmm. we don't know if they're going to be available for the Titans this week, and if not, that all but guarantees double-digit targets for A.J. Brown in this game. And and again, uh, with that kind of volume, The the upside is absolutely massive for A.J. Brown. I do like Stefan Diggs quite a bit as well, 7,900. If you just want to lock up that entire implied team total and you want to take Josh Allen with Diggs and Devin Singletary, I don't think it's crazy to do that. You're going to have to find some value somewhere else, but I I do like Diggs quite a bit as well. T. Higgins and Jalen Waddle, both priced up quite a bit, 6,900 and 6,700 respectively, but it is warranted the way that both of those guys are playing right now, Higgins and Waddle. Uh, Some er, uh, early value plays, Antonio Brown, again, makes a ton of sense. Christian Kirk, I like quite a bit. Nine targets again last week. He's 5,800 in that game against the Cowboys. And Josh Palmer, it sounds like he's uh, Mike Williams is not going to be eligible again to play this upcoming week. And Palmer is 3,600 in that game against the Denver Broncos. See ya. What are you thinking about the wide receiver position?
2: There's a lot to like at the wide receiver position. And and again, once we do our game by game breakdown, perhaps we're going to kind of narrow the field here a little bit. I I do like Cup. I mean, obviously, you know, when you're looking at the Baltimore defense and that's who the Rams play. I mean, a Stafford to Cup combo makes a lot of sense. I think, however, if you want to do a stack with Stafford, I don't think it's out of the question to actually if this is GPPs only to actually avoid Cup and pair Stafford with Odell and Van Jefferson. I think that's the type of thing that like could make the stack a little bit different. Or obviously, you could do it with Cup and one of those two guys. But Odell Beckham and Van Jefferson ran the same number of routes as Cooper Cup last week. So they're on the field a lot. They're seeing basically as many snaps. And obviously, Cup is the target monster. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to do that stack and you wanted to get different, maybe you include one of those two guys or both of those guys in your stack. Just, some, just something to keep in the back of your mind. Totally agree on Antonio Brown. I was going to say Michael Pittman until Carson Wentz got ruled out. I still think Michael Pittman could be in play if he ends up being slightly contrarian. but and, and that's only because he's got 40% of the target share over the last four weeks. I mean, he is the guy that they're throwing to. Agree on Josh Palmer. I think Rashad Bateman is an interesting guy to just – Throw out there because he he was actually second in snaps behind Marquise Brown uh last week as far as the receivers go. Uh, I mentioned Marvin Jones. That's just a flyer against New England. I don't love it, but it's something you know. If you wanted to get different, I like it. I mentioned Isaiah McKenzie. Pringle again is priced really low at four. He's priced up, but he's still only forty one hundred. He's somebody to consider. And then just a couple of flyers. I'll just throw out there again. This is GPPs just to get different. Um, Zay Jones is 3900 at Indy. Now that game flow might be a lot different now that Carson Wentz is out, so take that for what it's worth. And I do I do want to mention this guy, GPP Dart in a big field tournament. I mentioned Philip Dorset last week, and if you recall before he got injured in the third quarter, he had already seen six targets. He was on his way to really really paying off. Chris Conley probably steps in those shoes in terms of like the the, the A dots and, and just kind of the the longer routes. So, somebody to consider at 3,900 against San Francisco, where they're going to be playing comeback ball a majority of the game. Again, it's a dart, but uh, he caught three of three targets last week and had a touchdown.
0: Van Jefferson, uh, I just wanted to follow up on that. He's 5,300 on DraftKings. He has. 29 receiving yards over the last two weeks, and I think that will push a lot of people away from him. So yeah, if you're trying to get different and and maybe fade Cooper Cup at your own risk, you can play Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham instead of him. Uh Tight end position, we have Mark Andrews all the way up to 7400 now over on DK 8700 on FanDuel. He is the highest priced tight end on uh, both sites here, and Travis Kelsey is 7300. We have George Kittle at 7100. So. This is the first time in a while I feel like all three tight ends, all three of the those big three tight ends are active, hopefully healthy. Travis Kelsey, we'll see if he gets back. Uh, and on the same main slate together. I feel like it's been a really long time before, you know, since we've seen all three of these guys back here together. Kyle Pitts is 5,900. just wanted to call him out because he went over 100 yards uh, first time since week seven. So it seems like he's getting more involved again now here for the Atlanta Falcons. Not really much in terms of punting at the position that I see as of now a uh, Cole Komet, He was fine last week. He's still just 3,400. He has five plus targets and in five straight games, but not really much. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about the tight end position? Is it one that you are maybe looking to spend up at?
1: I will be in tournaments for sure. So I, I mentioned a ton of Antonio Brown. I'm going to have a lot of Rob Gronkowski in tournaments. Uh, I think it's a really good by low spot. They're obviously still beat up at the wide receiver positions. Um, The focus is going to easily have shifted to Antonio Brown. Now they are playing the Jets. Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's still going to get his, but I do think it's a really good buy low spot on Gronk. Now that he is in that middling price point, 6,200, not a super value play by any means, but certainly a discount from Mark Andrews, who also is going to have a significant amount of attention from Sean McVay and that team. So I like Gronk a lot in tournaments. Uh, cash games right now, it's CJ Uzoma for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I really like his involvement. I think it's going to be a competitive game. No matter the game script, we've kind of seen that the Bengals are going to throw the football with Joe Burrow. I like that a lot. You look at his price point, 3300 You look at all of the numbers here he hasn't had you know he's had multiple targets in every game like he hasn't had that game where he just doesn't get a target which is something i really love to see when i'm looking at a value tight end like this so at 3300 on a week where it's spend up for mark andrews or play someone middling uh I, i like it here because at worst i'm projecting a competitive game and most likely i'm projecting them to be trailing by 10 points
0: Over the past four weeks for the Bengals, CJ Uzama has a 17% target share, which is very healthy for the tight end position. So yeah, in a game, $3,300,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's very healthy.
0: Yeah, Uh, especially in a game, you know, against the Chiefs could be chasing points, really big total overall in this game. Yeah, I think that's a good call out for CJ Uzama. Uh, Stia, what are we looking at here for the tight end position in week 17?
2: Totally agree. Uh, uh, CJ Uzama is a guy I'm going to be jamming in because of just because of the price. And it's not like it's a lock button for me or anything, but yeah, seven targets last week. He's getting high quality targets. I mean, it almost seems like they're scheming him to get open because a lot, a lot of the times he's just he's just floating on a, on a short crossing route while everybody's chasing you know the three big receivers. So um, I like Uzama a lot. I think Gerald Everett is interesting at 4100 home against Detroit. He's starting to see you know the last few weeks you know, almost as many targets as your Tyler Lockett's, your DK Metcalf. So I think that's definitely a kind of a boom or bust option. Uh, as far as paying up, there's two guys I like, and I'm not talking about the the elite guys. I'm talking about paying up in the 5K range. Dawson Knox, listen, you, you can't play everybody on the Bills. We've basically mentioned every pass catcher and even the running backs. I include Josh Allen as, as a running back there too. So Knox, though, at 5,500, if, if you think he is going to get the ball, um. He led all tight ends in routes run in week 16 and with 46. So, I mean, he's basically functioning as, you know, the Mike Gesekis of the world, you know, the guys we talk about as essentially slot receivers. And another guy that's doing that at 5,200 is Zach Ertz. Uh, 24 targets in the last two games is just a monster number. And he ran 42 routes last week, uh, which amounted to 95% of Kyler Murray's dropback. So he's clearly being leaned on, especially with DeAndre Hopkins out. He's probably, especially in that game against Dallas, my favorite tight end. Uh, in terms of just from a value standpoint at $5,200.
0: right, so we have tight ends at each price point. You want to spend up, you want to hit the mm-hmm. mids here, you want to spend down, you got your CJ Uzama, your Cole Komet uh, level tight ends there as well. And that's we're going to wrap up. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank all for listening and watching Fantasy Football today. DFS will be back again on Thursday to deep dive the entire Week 17 main slate. We will see you there.